Welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from The Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, coming up first on this edition, it's Jonathan Kahn of Hope of the World relaying information based on a new book that's a sequel to his first one that was released over eight years ago. He traces a biblical template for tragedy and judgment and applies it to the state of America today. Then, I've been featuring some of the speakers at the recent Sing Global event sponsored by Getty Music. Last year, when Sing was an in-person conference, I sat down with the brilliant Oz Guinness. Recently, I talked with him about his latest release, which is actually a re-release from almost three decades ago. In our conversation, he discussed what he sees is a progression from the 1960s to present day. And Joel Rosenberg, who is a noted author, commentator, and Middle East expert, joined me to share about two new services he has launched, featuring developments from that section of the world, and offered insight into potentially a new wave of peace between Israel and its neighbors. Find out more ahead. And on this edition of The Intersection, it's back to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Wilmington, Delaware, the birthplace of Sharon Harris. She moved to South Central Los Angeles as a child and at a very young age became involved in different forms of immoral behavior. But God protected her, spared her life, and she came into a relationship with Christ. Here are aspects of her story coming up. Finally, Karen Whiting and her daughter Rebecca White visited with me at the CPE Fall Show as well. Karen's late husband, Rebecca's father, was in the military, and they both have a heart for service. You can gain a sense of the importance of honoring those who serve in a piece of that conversation. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Jonathan Kahn is president of the Ministry of Hope of the World, as well as senior pastor and Messianic rabbi of the Jerusalem Center Beth Israel in Wayne, New Jersey. He's written a new book. It's called The Harbinger II, The Return. It's a sequel to the book he released over eight years ago. Here now is Jonathan Kahn. The Harbinger is, to set the stage, is the the biblical template of national judgment, of a nation's judgment. Um, and it always begins, in the Bible, begins with an, an, years before the nation's destruction or judgment, an attack comes on the land. Uh, an enemy makes an attack, a strike. It's limited, it's contained, it's a wake-up call. It's to, it's to call the nation back to, avo- to avert the judgment that would come. Well, that happened with America on 9-11. We had our, our attack, it was limited, contained. And, and the, the amazing thing is that in the last days of Israel, after this, this attack, there, was, there were nine harbingers, or nine prophetic signs that appeared in the land, that were a warning that the nation was heading to judgment in its last days. Well, those same nine harbingers have appeared on American soil, and each one, the harbingers of a nation's coming judgment, on, on, beginning with 9-11, and each one, some in, in New York City, some in Washington, some involved objects, ceremonies, some involved uh, American leaders, but they all appeared in specific, in many ways, eerie detail. Um, and so the, the template... And what people didn't realize, when I wrote The Harbinger, I knew that there was more to come, and, I, and, and it could only be written at the right time. And for years I held back on writing where this was leading, because The Harbinger is talking about the beginning of this template of judgment. But it continues. And the thing is that, so we are now, you know, what happens in the template is the, 
the, there's a space of time, uh, years, given to the nation to come back to return to God. If it does return, it's, there's restoration. If it doesn't, it heads to judgment, and the shakings resume on the land. And we are now, and the reason why, you know, with Harbinger 2, is I was praying, because I held back. Because first of all, there's a lot from 9-11 that I never revealed, which of the Harbinger is just a, a piece of it. Um, so I knew that had to come out. Secondly, since the Harbinger came out, the, the mystery hasn't stopped, and more signs and Harbingers of biblical judgment have appeared in America. And number three, what's happening now, the shaking, this is the resuming of it. So last year I prayed, Lord, what do you want? What's the next book? And I got the Harbinger too, and I think, okay. You know, you know, I was kind of reluctant. But the thing is that, that I also had a very strong sense, and I shared it publicly, that this year, 2020, is going to be a year of shakings and dark events. And this was going to be the resuming the Harbinger, so I had to write the Harbinger too for this hour because it's, it's the continuation of this and to warn his people to prepare for what's coming um, and also to call those who don't know the Lord or are not right with the Lord back to the Lord. So that is the, the origin of the Harbinger too. In the Harbinger 2, there's a, a chapter called The Shakings. And the first thing is, and, and, and this is, again, in, it starts in the original Harbinger. It says that at the end of the period, there are going to be shakings. And what form are they going to take? Well, it says, this is eight years ago, um, it says it will take the form of disorder, like civil unrest, we're ha- happening now. Um, the division, dividing of America, where America has never been more re- divided mm-hmm, since the Civil sure. War. Um, uh, the the breakdown of infrastructure. Well, that's happening all over our our functioning of life right now. The the uh, economic uh, uh, collapsing. We've witnessed that as well. Um, and there are a number of other things that are, are yet to come. Um, but it and also natural, you know, and, and everything else. So that it talks about the time. And when I speak about in in the original book, when I speak about the the uh, that the next shakings, I use the word crown, crown. Well, crown Mm. comes from the word corona. You know, so you've got that as a shaking. But the other thing about it is that that in a there's a chapter in um, in the, the Harbinger Two, the new book that says that's called the 19 year mystery, and you're alluding to it. And the thing is, and here's the thing: um, the question is asked in the original book, how long between the first strike on the land and the resuming of the coming of greater shakings on the land? Well, the, the and it goes through in the Bible. It happened. You know, the template is uh, Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar attacked, you know, late, late his attack in 605 B.C. on Jerusalem. But the greater shakings, and it led to judgment and destruction, the greater shakings came in the year 586 B.C. So how many years? It's a 19-year span, 19 years. The nation was given 19 years from the strike, 19 years. And in fact, it says, you know, it, goes, it, it emphasizes that in the Bible. So here's the, so here's the question. 9-11 is the strike for America. What, what year was it? 2001. Add 19 years, and what year does it pinpoint sure. for the year of the shakings? 2020. That 2020 will be, according to the biblical mystery of judgment, will be the year that the shakings resume, and they have. And not only that, but, you know, the prophet J- Jeremiah, he spoke literally about what was going to happen in that 19th year. Jonathan Kahn here on The Intersection. You can find out more about the book at theharbingerreturns.com. The Hope of the World website is hopeoftheworld.com. Next up, it's Oz Guinness, founder of the Trinity Forum and senior fellow at the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics. In a recent discussion, he talked about some of the principles he highlighted in a book that has recently been re-released called The Dust of Death, The 60s Counterculture and How It Changed America Forever, and how those ideas have impacted American society today. 
Here now is Oz Guinness. Well, I first came to the U.S. as a visitor in 1968. Martin Luther King had been assassinated. Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. A hundred American cities were ablaze. And I had a fascinating six weeks. Among other things, I only met one evangelical, Carl Henry, who really had a clue and understanding of what was going on in the 60s. And I came back to Europe and created a series of 10 talks. They became the 10 chapters eventually, describing what I thought was the significance of the 60s. Now, if you have read about that time, you're probably not old enough to remember it, Bob, but you know, there were books out like Theodore Rojek's The Making of the Counterculture, Charles Reich's The Greening of America, and they predicted that the counterculture would succeed. And I knew as a Christian, looking at it Christianly, that it had the seeds of its own failure written into it. But people said to me, what are you doing taking on these trends? I said, I think you're going to see it's going to collapse. Well, it did later. I wrote the book actually in 71 still against the tide, by 73, 74, it was pretty obvious. And we shifted to the 70s, which was the me decade and all sorts of very different movements. But it's not just, you you mentioned the parallels, 68, 2020. It's not just the parallels. Happened in 67, 68 is the key to what we're seeing today. Because Marcuse was one of the great thinkers of the 60s from the Frankfurt School. He and the leader of the Red Brigade in Germany, Rudi Deutschke, they called for a long march through the institutions. Hmm. In other words, they knew they wouldn't win in the streets. Think Portland. They knew they had to win the colleges and universities, the press and the media, and what they called the world of the culture industry, Hollywood, entertainment. Then you could have a chance to win in culture. Now think of that, 67, 68, 50 odd years later, they've made incredible inroads. You think of critical theory, critical race studies. You think of everything we're seeing with Black Lives Matter and TIFA, or in the Congress, the squad, and so on. In other words, the progressive left, which is a form of neo-Marxism, launched its style then, and we're reaping it today. So it's not just an uncanny parallel, as it was, 68-2020. No, no. What we're reaping in 2020 are the seeds sown in 68 and afterwards. I want you to compare now with respect to the state of the church back in the (laughs) mid to late 60s. In, in light of all this social upheaval that was taking place then and compare it to what you are seeing now with respect to the response of the church. And I would even want to look at the potential for the church in these times. So big questions. So uh, take us through that, if you would. <laughs> a huge question, Bob, <laughs> but let me have a go at it. The extraordinary, let's take evangelicals, because I'm not talking about the liberal, theologically liberal Christians. They betrayed the gospel a lot earlier. Evangelicals basically slept through the 60s. Some of them I met were shocked or lamented, but they didn't really understand it. And it was in the 60s that Theodore Rojak, one of the authors I mentioned earlier, he described Christians in California as privately engaging, publicly 
irrelevant. In other words, they had a warm-hearted pietism, truly warm-hearted and wonderful and faithful, but no thinking and no cultural engagement. So you could say of the Christians right up through the 60s, their faith, the evangelicals, their faith was heavily privatized. They were woken up by the 60s. And it was in 75 that Jerry Falwell founded the Moral Majority. And a lot of Christians and fundamentalists tend to switch from being overly privatized, privately engaging, publicly relevant, to being overly politicized, thinking that you put all your eggs in the basket of politics and that would turn the country around. Well, the first thing to say about politics is that politics isn't the first thing. And that was wrong in itself. But the trouble is, much of the church in America has been incredibly worldly, shaped more by American institutions and ways of life than by the gospel. Oz Guinness here on The Intersection. His website is Oz, O-S, Guinness, G-U-I-N-N-E-S-S dot com. Next, it's Joel Rosenberg. In a conversation that aired on Faith Radio on the same day that there was a White House ceremony in which Israel, the United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain signed the Abraham Accords, celebrating peace agreements reached between Israel and those two Arab nations, Joel Rosenberg, who was on hand at the ceremony, discussed two news services he has established, All Israel News and All Arab News. He also provided perspective on the effect of the peace deal between Israel and the UAE on the Middle East. Here now is Joel Rosenberg. Yeah, so much is happening here in Israel and throughout the Middle East. And one of the challenges that I think many Christians have when, who care about what's happening is that there are too many websites and uh, there's too much going on and they're not sure who, what stories to trust, what reporters to trust. Uh, there's so much bias against Christians, against, against Israel, against, against Muslims and Jews. And it's hard to know, isn't it? How come there isn't a one-stop shop uh, website that links to all the most interesting uh, stories of the day, incredible ones, but also has original interviews, original reporting, original polling, and context analysis? What are these things? What are the things that are happening, and what do they mean? Why are they important? And I decided that rather than to get angry about media bias. <laughs> and all the troubles that there are with the media these days, I would just try to do something about it. So you're right. We've launched two websites uh, just in the last few weeks. One is uh, allisrael.com, allisrael.com. And the other one is allarab.news, allarab.news. Colloquially, we just say all Israel news and all Arab news, Mm -hmm. because these are sites that are specifically designed to cover all the things that are happening in the region. Now, uh, again, I just said one-stop shopping, and you're like, but Joel, you've got two websites. Why do you have two instead of one? Well, the reason is because there are many Arab Christians and and Muslims in the Middle East and North Africa who are willing to talk to me as a journalist, as a Jew, as an evangelical, as an Israeli even, but they're not yet ready to be interviewed or quoted on a, a website called All Israel News. They just It's just too far. So by creating All Arab News, we are able to do interviews and, and, and coverage of very important stories by people who just wouldn't be able to talk to us if they thought they were speaking specifically to an Israeli website. 
And so, but the team that I have is, is fascinating. It's Israelis, uh, Palestinians, and Lebanese, all evangelicals who are working on the team, uh, but helping run both sites. So anyway, uh, allisrael.com, allarab.news. It's been fascinating. And already, uh, Israeli and Arab media outlets in the region are covering the stories that we are covering. They're quoting us. They're citing our stories. Um, it's been it's been an exciting launch. We say, for example, on All Israel News, that we are tracking the news and events impacting Israel and the Middle East for the world's 600 million evangelicals. So clearly, we're stating right up front um, that our main primary focus is uh, the evangelical community worldwide, which, again, I'm not sure that most evangelicals realize there are 600 million of us, but uh, that is true. And we say the same thing on the Arab site as well, that we are uh, tracking news and events impacting the Middle East for the world's 600 million evangelicals. Now, to be clear, Bob, we, we try to create the state, both sites, so that they're welcoming, whether you're Jewish, Muslim, Christian, some other faith or no faith at all. It's not like we're trying to exclude people, but but we want to make sure that we are watching for stories that have particular interest and relevance and resonance with evangelicals, not just in North America, but in Singapore and in Africa and in Latin America and, and all over the world, uh, including in the Middle East. Um, and I just think that there is uh, not only is there so much media bias, as we've talked about, fake news and, and, and bias and hostility, there are also just a lot of stories that are just being missed, people who are not being interviewed. There are voices who feel voiceless. They feel like they don't have any way to speak what they care about, the issues that are important to them, their perspective, because the media doesn't care or they just won't cover them. So we are trying to give attention to these things. Joel Rosenberg here on The Intersection. His website is joelrosenberg.com. The All Israel News site is allisrael.com. The All Arab News website is allarab.news. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. You can find the podcast in the Media Center as well, linked to the Meeting House homepage. Also, you can find the intersection through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content, including recently added content from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Fall 2020 Show of the Christian of the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 Show in Wilmington, Delaware. Conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app at a variety of podcast platforms. Just look for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. The Meeting House homepage is meetinghouseonline.info. You can also reach it through the programming section at faithradio.org. 
Well, the author of the book, Exposing the Pain, My Path to Freedom, Sharon Harris at the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show, shared about her experiences emerging from a traumatic childhood and experiencing the freedom that comes from knowing Christ. Here is a portion of that conversation. This is Sharon Harris now. I had to do this GED, and the third time I passed, I failed twice, but the third time I passed, and then after that, I went on to college by the grace of God. Because I only had a sixth grade education, but God gave me wisdom. And one of my prayers early on, when I gave my life to the Lord at 17, God gave me wisdom beyond years like Solomon. I have endeavored to study the word of God so that I could become all that God is mm-hmm. destined for me to be. Sharon Harris is joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio. It is CPE, the Fall 2020 show in Delaware. Well, Sharon, as we conclude our conversation, obviously your childhood (laughs) is really a story, unbelievable story Mm -hmm. of pain. Yes. But what's more unbelievable is the grace of God, the faithfulness of God. But there was a lot of pain that you experienced. Tell me what you see as the key to experiencing God's healing and restoration in your life from the pain that you had experienced early on in life? Well, having the revelation of who I am, that has been key to me overcoming and having victory. See, I realized that I was fearfully and wonderfully made according to Psalms 139. I realized that my mom her wound was an incubator. You know, my mother, with all due respect, she did the best to her ability. She could have aborted me. Anything could have happened. But nevertheless, I lived, I survived for such a time as this. And God, knowing his word, uh, to be honest with you, his, the power of God's word, transforming my mind, mind being renewed, possessing the mind of Christ. I'm telling you today, I know who I am. I have faith declarations in my book because I tell women, men, whomever, Speak life because Jesus said in his word, my word is spirit and life. John's gospel, the sixth chapter. If you want to have a good life, take Proverbs 18 and 21 and you speak life. Death will present itself first. No, no, no. You speak Hmm. life. Okay. So the, the, the revelation of who I am, I can do all things through Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I have the God kind of stuff in me to overcome anything. And life's a journey. Very, very lots of challenges. Even now that I'm on the other side of joy, but nothing is worse than Egypt. Believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, you are, is it child social worker? Uh Is that the... Yes, sir. Because you said CSW, so I I kind of put two and two together. Yes, sir. And you're in Ohio. Yes. So... Tell me about how you're seeing, and you, I, I'm sure that in that position you see a lot of difficulty. That, that what, that's kind of what you do, right? Solve problems. So tell me about how God has, has really is using you in that position. Well, many of um, my clients that have lost their children due to addiction, neglect, abuse, whatever it is, I tell my clients, I said, honey, you represent my past but I represent your future. Mm. Just that statement alone, the women just seem to melt. But I love them and lead them to a safe place. See, and that's what's important. I don't judge them. 
I don't kick them down and I go above and beyond whatever it takes. If I have to sit up in a, 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 a steak and shake or 24 hours, something, I just need to let them know you are loved and I am here. That's all. I'm not your conventional social worker. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. You know, I, I, I treat the children like they're my own. So. so what do you find from your position that you're able to do? For these children that may have some similar issues to what you had? Well, what I do is demonstrate the love of God. Sharon Harris here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website exposingthepain.org. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Karen Whiting and her daughter, Rebecca White, at the CPE Fall 2020 show in Delaware, discussed material relative to service, including a discussion of Karen's book, 52 Weekly Devotions for Families Called to Serve. From that conversation, here are Karen Whiting and Rebecca White. Tell me, as far as the devotional guide, you have 52 devotions for these families who are called to serve. Tell me just a bit about how you encourage those who are in these very unique positions. Right. Well, it's set up where there's always a focus every week and a family beatitude and some hands-on activities. There's a story that's of a real person who's either served by one of these community helpers or they have a family member who is a community helper. So there may be a child who realizes when daddy comes home, I can't touch his gun because he's a law enforcement person and they watch daddy put it in the cabinet and and daddy talks to them about that and safety. And that type of story is in there as well as others and at the end of that devotional for the week it's a week long that you choose what you want to do the level of commitment you have because some weeks are busier than other weeks we all know that at the end of it there's a frontline tip for the people who are in service that relates to that story to help them have an idea of how to work with their own family when they are the people who are serving others Karen Whiting joining me here, CPE 2020 in Wilmington, Delaware, Faith Radio Meeting House, Media Central. Well, Karen, as we conclude, actually, what is part of a three-part conversation, we're going to transition into a conversation with the two of you, Karen Whiting, her daughter, Rebecca White, joining me, and we're going to be talking about this book that they've written together and also find out more about Rebecca's involvement in disaster relief. A word here with our listening area, having so many active duty as well as retired military families. What's your approach approach in the in the book to those who are serving in our armed forces? Well, my husband served in the Coast Guard. Rebecca's husband served in the Army. So we both were she was a military daughter, and so was I, actually. My dad served in World War II. Wow. And certainly part of what I do, and I had a lot of police officers in my family. My cousin's a mayor, but he was police chief in my hometown. I have grown up with all of that. My grandfather was a fire chief and realized that you need to respect them, that they are doing what they are doing because they want to save lives. They care about lives. They care about freedom. And that we have to keep in mind that that is why they're drawn into those careers. The stresses and all can be so wearying on them that sometimes they make mistakes and sometimes they, there are bad people in that those ranks. They try to weed them out. They really do. But what we have to know 
is that they need prayer. If we want to keep them on track like we do with anyone, because Satan's going to attack those people who are full of faith, and we need to pray for them. And that's the biggest thing we can do. And we need to help their children realize they've got to pray for mommy or daddy who are serving and that they have to ask God for help for them because they don't want to add stress on their own family member who's serving. And yet they want to be together. Well, we're going to play past the mic, and I'm going to direct my next question to Rebecca, Rebecca White, who is Karen's daughter. And Karen, you were talking about three different generations of military families, if you will, you being the daughter of someone who served in World War II. Your your late husband also was in the Coast Guard. And of course, Rebecca, you grew up as a military child you are now married to someone who is in the u.s army he was he He was in the u.s army and he's medically retired and now a pastor so serving in a different capacity in the communities absolutely so from your standpoint growing up in a military family just give us an idea about life in the military from your standpoint as being a, a child and and how your parents were able to pass that legacy of faith on to you Well, I think for me, I was very blessed to have a family where we made a point of, even though my father was away, he was part of the family. When I was very little, he did cassette tapes of books that we would listen to and read so that he could, we could hear his voice even though he was away on the ships. And I think staying in touch with everybody, especially during deployments, is very important. Having ways that we, we as children could still know that daddy was there in our lives when he was away and having parents who made a point of spending time together with us as a family was very big and i think that's true in whatever area your family is working in rebecca white along with her mother karen whiting here on the intersection podcast well we are nearing the conclusion of this week's edition of the intersection podcast a weekly production of the meeting house learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by accessing the programming section at faithradio.org from the meeting house homepage, you can go to the media center that's where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the podcast the podcast can be found in the media center it's also available through itunes Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community that is updated weekly. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's that link to video content. Again, the website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Just look for the Faith Radio Podcast. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.